Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We're your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. Later on the show, I'll be talking to Susan McPherson, the author of The Lost Art of Connecting. Kim was out the week that I interviewed Susan, so it's just a solo interview with me. Um, but before that, Kim, you're back. Let's check in. How's it going? Everything is pretty good. I'm in. A, I'm. I, I, I'm feeling pretty good, Jen. I have yeah. to say, how are you? Well, I'm all right. Um, I'm <laughs> feeling a little bit like an old bag. I hate to use negative self-talk, but I'm feeling a little bit like an old bag. I went into my dermatologist yesterday, and I had you know all of my <clears throat> my moles checked. Excuse me, and. Also went in for my normal amount of usual Botox I get just for my frown lines, which costs a couple hundred dollars. And, you know, here it is. And I hadn't been in a while. And this time, my dermatologist looked at my face and said, wow, you're really losing a lot of collagen. And I was like, oh, really? And, you know, then she went on to offer me some other Botox, including because I'm clenching my jaw so badly, she wanted to like Botox my jaw. And she was like, do you want to just try it? I know you have a problem with grinding your teeth at night. And I was like, sure. And then she pointed out this other spot and this other spot and this other spot, whatever. And it was one of those situations where why didn't I ask more questions? And also why was I being so agreeable? And of why, course, yes, go ahead. Why do, why do we do that with certain people? I think we do it with doctors a lot where you're just like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. You're killing me inside. But yes, I'm never going to say that. Just keep going. Yes. I mean, at some point she did offer me, she, there's these new eye drops. I don't know if you know about this, but they last, they're for events only and they last for eight hours and you drop them in your eye and they lift up your lid. What? Yes, there's new fucking eye drops. She gave them to me. I don't know what the name is. We can put them in the show notes. I took them because she kind of forced them on me. But 
I, um, she didn't force much. She was like, these will help you so much, especially with that heavy hooding on that one eye. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so ugly and old. (laughs) No, but you know what else? It's also the doctors. When I was at New York Magazine, we had a writer named Lily Barana do a piece. Lily was a writer, but also a stripper. So she had like a sick body. She had an amazing body and she was an attractive woman. She went to like 10 different plastic surgeons and said, and she was also maybe 30 then, maybe. Mm -hmm. And she went to 10 plastic surgeons and was like, you know, the leading ones in New York, what would you do to me? There was only one doctor who said you'd be crazy to do anything. The rest of them were like, well, your chin and then your nose and then your cheekbones. Well, let me tell you something. I walked out of there. I looked like a pin cushion. Mm. There were so many stabs in my face. And I got up to the front and I was like, okay, yeah, how much do I owe you? And it was, I'm not going to even talk about how much it is. I'm going to be paying it off for years. It was a staggering <laughs> amount of money. And I was like, how is it that much money? And she said, well, we used 125 units of Botox. Oh my God. I have not felt this amount of shame and rage in a long time because then at that point, like, what are you going to do? It's over, you know, like I, I let it happen to me and I don't, and then for the rest of the day, I was like looking at myself and I was like, wait, do I look this bad? She was also like, oh my God, you have discoloration. You've, you've obviously been in the sun and it was like a whole fucking thing. And I mean, obviously I'm not going to go to this person anymore, but I really just felt ways that I have not felt about aging and vanity in a long time. And I really felt ashamed of my own vanity. Um, so, no, but, yeah. but, 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 but why, you know, I mean, it's just so natural to, you know, or at least not unusual to look at your face and think like the technology exists. I'm going to go avail myself of it. I mean, you're not doing anything millions of women haven't done and, and they're not, and, 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 and people who are not like horribly, hideously vain. It, it, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm just rambling, but I think no, that that's... No, no, I hear you. No, I know, because she was like, you know, we could do a, a clear and brilliant laser would take some of these brown spots out. And then I hadn't even noticed I had brown spots. You know what I mean? <laughs> like... Well, you know, our, our former coworker, Jean Godfrey June, wrote a memoir about being a beauty editor. And in it, she said, I, I will not tolerate and don't think anybody should tolerate a beauty technician of any kind who makes you feel bad about yourself. Right, right. Right. Why no. go there? They're supposed to make you feel beautiful. You can do that if you're a dermatologist. You know, right. you can still you can still send the message that you could use fifty units of Botox, but in 125. a hundred and twenty-five. I can't I can't even imagine how much that is. All all day long I've been like when is it going to happen? When is my whole face going to freeze? Like I am so also in like a massive panic. But anyway, I'm probably telling people too much about me. Now everybody on Instagram no, okay. is going to be like, oh, does she look different? You know? Okay. I'm going to tell you something about myself that will make you feel better about what you just revealed. And I've been debating whether or not to share this because it's so embarrassing. All right. I love you. Tell me. Um, <laughs> thank you. I received a postcard from Con Edison telling me um, you were still on, basically saying I'm, I was still paying the Con Ed bill for my old apartment. So I was like, oh shit, that was like December. I should make sure I'm not doing that. 
No, no, no. It wasn't that old apartment. It was an apartment I lived in when I worked at Lucky over 13 years ago and left 10 years ago. Like I am, I have been paying that fucking con ed bill for that apartment for this whole time because I forgot to turn off my con ed and there is nothing I can do about it. And it's because I'm just like a flake about bills. Once you started being able to pay bills online. Oh yeah. I was just like, okay, there's my con ed bill. And I didn't really notice, or maybe I kind of noticed that I got two con ed bills a month, but I'm just like, Kim, without being too harsh on myself, when the fuck are you going to grow up? Ugh, I know, I know, I know. There's a, there's a book, I, want, I think I want to get this person to come on as a guest. There's a book about how to be a grown-up that I think is meant for people in their 20s, but I think that we need. <laughs> I think we do too. I think we do too. And like, look, I've like, I've talked to people about this. Like I've had conversations with like Ashley Ford about this actually, about like how not to be mean to yourself. Like you weren't taught, if you weren't taught basic life skills, it's like, it's hard to get them down because there's not like a class for them, you know, like, but you know, no, that, that makes me feel sad for you. It does not make me feel, it does not make me feel better about being the pin cushion face that I, that I willingly allowed myself to get, but I'll get over it. It's only it's only going to be a couple months of whatever this is going to look and, like. And, and, and I think if you were going to look scary, you would have looked scary by now. <laughs> I think if I put those drops in my eyes on top of everything else, I would definitely have looked like a monster, but I didn't. I mean, I, I, will, I will also add this, which is that after we spoke yesterday and you told me about this, even though I knew that you were like bummed out and pissed off and ashamed, I was jealous of you. <laughs> Because I want 150 fucking units of something in my face. <laughs> oh, my God. And you, you know what you don't want is the credit card bill to go along with it. No, but, no. Um, just yeah. for, uh, assuredly not. But I'm, I, like, I've been, I haven't had injections in like over two years. And I just like, you know, like why You look am I... amazing. You look amazing, though. Uh, See, that's the thing. You look amazing. You don't need it. And I don't either. And like... you, you really don't. You're a total fox and you don't need it. And you know what's interesting? I think I've mentioned before on the podcast that I've been spending a lot of time with teenagers lately. Mm-hmm. And these teenage girls, maybe I've talked about this before. I don't remember because my memory is gone. But they have the ripest best bodies they're just like they're just they're blooming you know yes we have talked about this yes but I thought I thought to myself like I was with some of them on Sunday and I was like you know what that's their stage of life and that's not your stage of life so just chill Right. Well, that's where I really, really want to get to. Oh, and then also yesterday, I found a tick on my body that had been in my body for 72 hours. Oh, so no. on top of on top of being a pin cushion, I also was just like having the blood literally sucked from me from a giant tick. And then all <laughs> my hypochondria was like all like, Wah. and then, you know, it's like, I, I realized I had actually made a good decision. Like I belong to this thing called One Medical and they offer like 24 hour health care so I was able to text and be like yo got this tick bite (laughs) like real nervous about it and got a prescription and got antibiotics within you know got preventative antibiotics within two hours so I mean it's not all gloom sometimes we make good decisions frequently Jen we make good decisions yeah we do. We're going, to be, we're going to be nicer to ourselves. We're going to be nicer to ourselves. And Susan McPherson is going to teach us how to connect with other people in a way that feels organic 
and doesn't feel transactional and doesn't make us feel bad. So awesome. Can't wait to hear it. Oh, and also I just want to say Susan is a massive badass and she was just named one of Forbes 50 over 50. That's amazing. Now, I also just want to mention, because time is running out, that we have our book club book, Ashley C. Ford's Somebody's Daughter, which is just such an astonishing book. It's not an easy read, but it's such a good read. Yes. Um, She's coming on the podcast soon. So you guys, if you haven't read it yet, read it and send us questions. Yes, we're going to be interviewing her in like the next week. So yes, send us questions. Great. All right, let's get into it. Bye. Awesome. Our guest today is Susan McPherson. Susan is a founder, is the founder and CEO of McPherson Strategies, a communication consultancy firm focused on the intersection of brands and social impact. She is also the author of the newish book, The Lost Art of Connecting, the gather, ask, do method for building meaningful relationships. And she has more than 25 years experience in marketing, public relations, She's also a popular speaker and a regular contributor to the Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, and Forbes. She also wrote this incredible book that we're going to talk about today that is changing my life because I am terrible at networking. So welcome, Susan. Jen, I could not pick a better place to be on a Monday afternoon. Thank you. (laughs) You're so welcome. Um, So let's just start with you a little bit. You call yourself a serial connector. And what does that mean exactly? And were you always like this? Did you have to learn? Well, I actually um, grew up in a very small household in upstate New York back when the dinosaurs roamed. Mm -hmm. And both my parents were literally the epitome of serial connectors, but they didn't have the technology that we do today. Mm -hmm. And every morning at the breakfast table, I would literally vie for real estate to have my you know, bowl of cereal or uh, eggs and toast because they would have the five local newspapers and yesterday's New York Times and yesterday's Boston Globe splayed out while they would clip and cut and then go to their respective manual typewriters and type teeny little missives saying, you know, thinking of you, cousin Harry, or thinking of you, former student Joan. My father taught at a woman's college for 40 years, and he not only would have, like, grandmothers, then their daughters, and then their grandchildren as students, but he wouldn't stay in touch with them all those years. And my mom did public relations for PBS, and she would do the same with, with media. So I just thought everybody did that. And when I came of age in the, you know, professionally in the late um, 80s and I got my first fax machine, I was like a kid in a candy store because all of a sudden I could do what I saw them doing, but simultaneously. But I have to tell you, I have a feeling those faxes are still somewhere out in the ether because I never really figured out how to use a fax machine. (laughs) I am. It's so funny because I don't think that networking comes naturally to people, um, to, mo- to many of us, especially people who are socially anxious and awkward. And your book had me from the jacket copy, which says this, networking is considered a necessary evil for all working professionals, yet these connections often feel transactional, agenda-driven, and dehumanizing, leaving professionals feeling burnout and stressed out, which is something I always feel so much. How do you think we make connecting with other people professionally feel less gross? (laughs) I love that. And this is why I um, 
uh, suggest or recommend connecting rather than networking. And I actually delineate between the two. Mm-hmm. Networking is obviously very transactional. It's all about what can I get? What can I um, you know, receive from others? Uh, it's one to many versus connecting, which for introverts or shy people or socially awkward people is a bit more palatable. I notice I'm not saying simple and easy. However, right. it is deep dive one-on-one or maybe one-on-two rather than splaying across a room of 50 and trying to grab business cards from everyone. Right. It's also leading with how can you be helpful rather than, again, that traditional way of looking at things like what can I walk away with? How can these people be helpful to me? Now, I'm not suggesting we are not helping ourselves and we give up uh, any means of control, but what I am suggesting is if you approach things in a more, um, let's just say, uh, intentional way and think of things as how can I tap into you know, my strengths and be helpful to others, but do it on a one-by-one basis, it is much more feasible for someone who like you just described yourself, uh, as, as being kind of fearful of these situations. Yeah, and I love that because I'll tell you, and it doesn't happen to me all the time, and I think that this is why I'm wary of professional connections a lot, is because sometimes networking can feel really predatory. And, you know, I only you see people, you get some big job and everybody comes out of the woodwork, right? And it's right, the only right. time that somebody's connecting with you and that makes me feel really nervous and anxious. You know, why does this person want to know me? It's only because, you know, I have this, I'm adjacent yeah. to power, etc. right? Exactly. And I, I joke, how many times have you connected with somebody on LinkedIn and literally within an hour you receive a email from that person, you know, potentially on the LinkedIn platform, asking you to buy from them? Yep. Yep. Now, what about if they had reached out to you and said, great connecting, Jen. I saw you just launched a podcast. Any way I can be helpful to you or help you secure fascinating guests? By the way, would you have 10 minutes to chat next week? Wouldn't that be like a better way of maybe um, reaching out? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent it would be a better way of reaching out. But even sometimes that stuff... If it, if the intention, I like this idea of networking being, or not networking, building community. I like this because we are a relational species, right? Yes, and, for sure. And so, and also work can become so much more meaningful when we have community, when we're doing it together, when we feel connected to other people. So the, what you're describing would feel good except when you can tell somebody's following a script, right? right when they're checking right, the boxes, I will talk to you for 10 minutes now. And I think that it's part of what you do in this book is, and I don't know if this was your intention, but you're trying to teach people to open up to be more authentic with each other, right? Well, we can't expect others to be vulnerable with us if we're not going to give a little. Right. And without that vulnerability, then we can't have the we can't have meaningful connection. Exactly. Exactly. I like the way you talk about and I'd like you to talk about it now because 
just for people who are going to read the book, but I want you to talk about, about building trust first, because I think that is so out of how we think about the, let's call it networking, but how we think about it, we never think about building trust with another person. How did you come up with that? Well, you know, this goes back to, again, delineating between networking and connecting and building relationships for the long haul, meaning it doesn't all have to happen immediately. And, you know, I joke that it, it's kind of like when you dive in and immediately assume you're on a, uh, a closer relationship with someone, it's a little bit like asking for sex on the first date, right? Right. Um, now, I have nothing against having sex on the first date, okay? Uh, you know, anybody can do whatever they want. Right. But in terms of long-term relationship building, you know, it, you can't expect others, as you just said, to open up, to be, um, again, I hate to continue to use that word, vulnerable, but also authentic, if you're not going to also open up. But I also think it's snippets along the way. You right. know, building trust over time. You know, my late father always said, you always want to leave a conversation with people wanting more. So right. instead of like giving it all up right in the beginning, um, you know, brevity is the key. And obviously I am the queen of not brevity, as you can just tell right now. No. Um, but this notion of little snippets over time and being reliable and building trust by, through, by your actions, right? Like following up when you say you're going to follow up, making an introduction when you say you're going to introduce someone. Those are like little pockets of trust that you build up over time. And that is how you build a deeper connection with someone. Right. So it's not immediate. I mean, we're in such no. like a fast paced, you know, I, I love the way you talk about technology too. Um, it, and I'm just going to read this, but <laughs> technology yes, has become, technology has become a crutch and we rely too heavily on it. We have succumbed to this culture of transactional networking via social media. We have these massive networks of people online, but becomes more about quantity and less about quality. And when you do that, when you're relying solely on the size instead of the depth of the community, you lose the humanity. I think that's what we're talking about, that what, what is an effective use of technology for connecting? Well, and, and just, um Thank you for reading that, Jen. And I will tell you, that was the original thesis of the book. This book was put forth long before the pandemic. And many people, when they see the title, assume it was written as a response to the isolation of the pandemic. Right. But what happened was four years ago, I saw just that. I saw that we had become slaves to the clicks and the likes and followers. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the humanity that I saw my parents put so much of themselves in was gone. And I'm not, you know, I'm not pointing fingers. It was the same for me, right? Right. Um, you know, and, and we're all to the extent guilty of this. But then the pandemic happened and all we had was technology. So, you know, I am certainly not saying let's do away with technology. We need it. It's a powerful gift in some ways. I mean, could you imagine this pandemic if we didn't have the Zooms and the Microsoft Teams and Google Hangouts and all the rest or text no. and WhatsApp? I mean, it would have been even more horrible. But what I think is missing or has been missing that I think in some ways we've been able to recapture during this miserable time is the intentionality. It's the thoughtfulness when you do reach out. I mean, I have been throughout the 15 months of the complete isolation, I was solely alone. You know, I don't have a, a significant other. I don't have parents. I don't have kids. And every day, 
I would reach out to three to five people, and I know you were one of them on occasion, yes. where it, it would be like three-pronged. One, just to ask people how they were. Mm-hmm. Two, ask them if they needed anything and send a bit of joy. And three, basically, you know, flay my arms in the air saying, please don't forget me, I'm here. Right. Um, and, you know, folks say to me, Susan, how do you have time? And my response is, was always, even before the pandemic, I have time to brush my teeth. So right. that is very much the use of technology. I would use WhatsApp, I would use DMs, I would use right. email. Yes, I occasionally would use the old-fashioned phone. But right. the notion was, is that intentionally, it was, there was an agenda. I wasn't looking for a response. I was merely going about this, you know, from, from a self-preservation standpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think, I think that's right. Because the other thing is, is we all know, like we think of this when we're talking about building community around work, we think of it as, you know, just work related when really it's also boostering our entire lives, right? Like, because loneliness makes us so sad, right? Of course, well, and it's unhealthy. I mean, we we know it, you know, the equivalent of deep-seated loneliness is like smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that we don't think that people, so as I've gotten older, I have friends for all different kinds of things, and I have professional friends. I have friends that I really only talk about work and where we're going with our careers with, and that's okay. And those relationships are as good as my other friendships. You know, they're meaningful, important relationships. I think that we tend to discount our professional relationships as if they're like outside of us in some way. You know, when they're not, it's all interconnected. Absolutely. Well, and I joke about 15 or 20 years ago, I decided it was too challenging. It was difficult enough being one person, let alone two people. So I combined work Susan and home Susan into one being. And I tell you, it was a little bit of the stress that I removed from my life doing so. But, you know, Jen, studies show that when you have friends, quote unquote, at work, you are much more productive you are much more likely to stay at the company. You are much more likely to recommend the company. So if I am a business leader and I'm running a massive enterprise or a small business like I do, I'm, I think it, is, it would behoove us to encourage and not relegate the connection making to the annual sales conference or the monthly happy hour because it actually boosts productivity and actually makes people happier. Right. And now let's take a quick break for some ads. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry leading sustainability standards. You know, I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Ah. Okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. So let's talk about, um, the book is laid out in this really useful gather, ask, do structure. I just want to get like a baseline and explain that to listeners. What Tell us of what course. that's about. Of course. Well, it, just a, a joke, no joke aside, but when you write a business book, you have to come up with a methodology. Yes. So I had to look at my last, you know, 30 or 40 years and, and basically the gather, ask, do method is what I have been doing. So in the gather phase, you actually do the most important connecting and that is connecting with yourself and doing essentially an audit of what are your hopes and dreams that you want to accomplish in the next four years, four months, hell, even four weeks. Mm -hmm. And what are your superpowers, your strengths, in the book I call it your chief differentiating factors that you can bring to the world and bring to others. Also during the gather phase, how are you going to do everything in your power to burst out of that bubble of building community with only people that look like you, sound like you, the same age as you, the same race as you. And lastly, how are you going to actually show up in the world? I mean, that is essentially the gather phase. Mm -hmm. In the ask phase, it is what we think of when we think of ask, we initially think of asking for what we want, what we need, what we desire, especially as women. 
But the overarching ask phase is actually learning to ask the meaningful questions of others so that we can learn about what their hopes and dreams and desires are. And if you listen very, very carefully what they're saying, you can get to the do phase, which is my favorite phase to be in, and that is, of course, do. And that means taking all that data that people have shared with you and becoming the responsible, reliable, dependable, and trustworthy person that you can be by doing the things you said you're going to do. So it's a very 30,000-foot view, and obviously the book dives much more deeply into those three phases. Totally. And I I think that one of the things in the ask stage, um, there's this incredibly useful distinction you make about asking for help, which is first asking, how can I help you instead of how can this person help me? Right. Mm -hmm. So why is this that why is this approach so important? Because also I would say that I think that women, and particularly, you know, as we're beat up a little bit in our careers, maybe we're hitting a midlife stall, we don't know what we have to offer anymore. So I guess what you're saying is gather and understand that first, but yes, we don't feel like, we don't know how we can help other people because we don't know our value, right? So what do you think about that? Well, I have a funny, uh, quick side story. It was in Mm -hmm. 2008. I went away with eight dear friends. And the goal of that weekend, we went up to the Catskills, which for your listeners is about two or three hours north of New York City. And our goal that weekend was to help each other articulate what our superpowers were and then be able to literally articulate those in almost like an elevator speech. And it was that weekend that I got the guts or balls or whatever you want to call them to be able to say, hi, I'm Susan McPherson and I'm a serial connector. Mm -hmm. Now, I will tell you, when I said that, I wanted to pee in my pants. It sounded so ridiculous. But it was true. And having eight dear friends there to validate it really, really helped. So I advise in the book, and I think this completely makes sense, is ask loved ones, ask your kids, ask your friends, ask your dog or dogs. Um, But literally, we all have superpowers. And they change, and they ebb, and they flow. And, you know, they don't have to be, you know, I know calculus, which I still never know, and I never succeeded when I was a kid. But you you see the point. And in the gather phase, it's really important to think about how you can be helpful so that you can lead with that. Right. and I, the reason I find it helpful to, to lead with that is it's more human. It's more kind. You know, we're living in a time where there just, it seems like vitriol always is like the cream in the milk. Like it rises to the top. And yeah. I just feel like th- that's really unhealthy. Yeah. And I think about it, like thinking about building community, almost like a potluck dinner right? Like Mm -hmm. everybody's Mm -hmm. bringing something, right? And that's when it works the best. That's when it works the best, when everybody's bringing something to it, when it doesn't feel predatory, when it doesn't, when it feels like that good, when it's like sharing, really. Well, and and agenda-less, no agenda. Right, 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 right. So that's like about ego too. So that's like about first off ego of like thinking you have something to offer, like getting your ego in check. And then secondly, like, oh, if this person doesn't give me anything, like checking your ego that it's nothing to do, like that's just what they have to offer right now, right? Right. Taking it out of that transactional space, right? Yep. 
and I, I don't want your listeners to, to, to overthink it. You know, this isn't about like meeting somebody and then having to go raise a million dollars for them. Right. You know, right. it may just mean introducing them to that podcast host that they so desperately want to introduce to be to meet or, right. you know, um, uh, suggesting that you find out they love hummus and, you know, recommending your favorite L.A. based hummus restaurant. Right, 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 right. Because this is a podcast for women over 40, um, I want to talk about some of the challenges specific to women in that age group. Specifically, um, coming back to work after an absence, right? Maybe you've been checked out of your career for a while or you're switching. You're switching careers, you're going into something else and you're starting from the bottom, right? You're starting from, you're new. So your professional connections are maybe outdated. So you're new, but you're not young. So you're not having those obvious opportunities like let's go out and get trashed together, whatever it is, you know? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I mean, not that you can't go out and get trashed when you're over 40, but you know what I mean. It's a little different. Well, you have responsibilities at home. Yeah. So what, how do you advise people who are in that stage of their career when they're like just feeling like rudderless and lost? Yeah, well, and, you know, I know millions and millions of women are in that situation. And I'll be honest with you, I have been in that that situation at various times. Um, I didn't leave the workplace, but I have been in new organizations where I didn't know anyone. And I was kind of like rudderless, as you just said. Um, I'm 56 now, so I feel like I've been through it all. But I will say that, again, I do believe this leading with how can I be helpful is, is ideal in this situation, especially coming out of the pandemic, because you know what? Everybody can use a little bit of help right now. Right. And, you know, when you, if you are fairly new at an organization and most likely in a hybrid situation right now, I mean, you know, some companies are, are requiring people back, you know, two or three days a week. Some are, are open to people being, being remote. Whatever the means, what I would suggest is reaching out each week to, a, you know, at most a handful mm-hmm. of your colleagues. And instead of saying, you know, hi, I'd love to meet you. Can I pick your brain so I can, you know, get to know oh, you or can, no. you know, we, we know. <laughs> Say, you know, hi, I'd really like to learn more about your role as I start to understand this company and know how I can be the best employee I can be. And mm-hmm. having, a, having an understanding of what your role is will help me help you, right? Yep. Um, you know, and I, I don't think you have to go and dive deep in, but you have a shared goal and that is helping the company succeed. So to me, you know, whatever is, is, is a comfortable number, but I think set yourself a goal of reaching out to three to five each week mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and scheduling, you know, even just 10 minute calls. Yeah. Um, and if you can do it in person, you know, all the better, but clearly that isn't a requirement. Right. How do you think about mentorship as you get older or at any time? You know, I have to say, I think, you know, we often think of mentorship as somebody older helping someone younger, Mm -hmm. but I think in this crazy world we're living in, that is turned upside down. You know, because younger generations, and of course this is a generalization, inevitably are much more up to date on technology. Okay. So I find I could be mentored and I specifically, if I look at my kind of friend universe, 
I have friends in my 20, in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, and I learn just as much from my 20-somethings as I do from my 50-somethings. So I think, you know, mentorship can be anything that you want, and I think it really needs to be what is it that you want to learn and tapping into who can be helpful guiding you in those ways. That is such a cool concept. I hadn't really thought about it that way because also this dovetails into so many things that we're talking about, which is what do I have to offer? That's yeah. sort of like two-way street mentorship. I agree young people yeah. are key because as you get older in your career, you start to feel irrelevant yeah. and you need somebody to teach you things. It's just oh, the way, sure. you know, like even my 11 year old teaches me about like memes on Lime, Lime yeah. that like really helped me a lot, to be honest. Totally. It also breaks up the power dynamic, right? Um, because I think younger people, there's an assumption that, you know, they, they aren't as talented, they aren't as smart, they aren't as skill set, but it really goes back to that self audit of what you can bring to the table. You know, and I joke when, when somebody, you know, will say to me, oh, I'm fresh out of college, what do I have to offer? And I, you know, will say two words, TikTok. You know, I mean, I'm being facetious, but no. I think you understand what I'm, yes. where I'm going, right? Yes. You know, because I, I run a communications firm. I need to know how to run TikTok. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, totally. I agree. I agree. And <laughs> and then there's so much value you give to that person too, because right. you've just been, even if you don't know the specifics, the sort of overriding themes of work kind of remain the same, right? Like yeah. power struggles and confidence and how do you walk into a room? Like these sort of very basic fundamentals of professionalism that you as an older person have, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and And a younger person doesn't. That is such a a fair trade I feel like you know? yeah. yeah well you know um you you know our friend Christina Vuletta and must have been 10 or 11 years ago she started something called the 40 20 or 40 over 20 salons and forgive me if I butcher the name but mm -hmm. she essentially would bring together 40 somethings and 20 somethings and the original thesis was that the 40 somethings would be mentoring the 20 somethings and I have to be honest that was the first time I saw what I just described it became a free-for-all in the sense that everybody was learning from everyone so I think this also goes back to that notion let's break open our bubbles um, you know, a fish can only see water if she breaks out of her fishbowl. Right, right. No, I think that you're absolutely right on that. And I, I think that the way that you put it in the in the book, you compare a professional network to a constellation of relationships. Yes. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Well, if we look at the constellations, which quite frankly, I'm just going to be honest, the only one I can ever make out is the Big Dipper. Mm -hmm. But evidently there's Capricorn and Sagittarius and all these beautiful uh, stories and tapestries. But what I believe fervently is when you make connections between two people, three people, four people, you are creating stories. You are creating impact that will go on and evolve and ebb and flow, just like the stars do, and constantly change, some in good ways, some in less good ways. So I like to use that analogy um, to actually spark people to get excited about making connections and meeting people. Um, you know, one of the things I learned in the research for the book is that making connections and making it a priority in your life actually 
is one of the greatest factors in leading to your longevity, even more than running every day and eating kale every day. So wow. go figure. Wow. wow. <laughs> you know, I, I do want to talk about boundaries, though. Yes, because, of course. Uh, so because... And like I said, the times where I've had big jobs and you see everybody come out of the woodwork and, you know, you don't know who, like who wants what from you. And it's, it can be really overwhelming depending mm-hmm. on what your mm-hmm. disposition is, right? Right. How do you, or how do we tell people when they're asking for too much? We tell them. We just tell them. It took me many, many years to be comfortable with that. But we know we have, you know, it's like radar, right? You know immediately when someone is only a taker. And it's okay to call them out. I mean, you don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be nasty about it. But I think it can be, you can be very, very direct. And, you know, again, this is, 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 I want to make sure people understand when I say leading with how can I be helpful, it is not about not taking the oxygen mask first, right? It's right. leading with help being helpful because you're actually over time helping yourself. You know, right. I joke, um, yeah, I can't even remember if I joked in the book about this or I've talked about it so much <laughs> in the sense that, you know, people often say to me, Susan, how do you have time to be helpful to so many people? And the thing is, is the more people you are connected with in a meaningful way, when people come and ask you help, there's more people you can tap. Meaning if someone comes to me and says, I'm starting a coral restoration project in Barbados. I don't know how to restore coral, but I bet I know someone who does, right? And I don't want to sound this like manipulative, maniacal thing. I mean, this is what makes life interesting, right? Right, right, right. Can I ask you how many people, like how, how many people do you think you keep in touch with a week? (laughs) (laughs) Just, I just want to know. (laughs) Oh my God. Well... I mean, remember, I don't, I'm single, I don't have parents, right. I don't have kids. So, right. you, know, when, you know, I don't want to put this kind of pressure on anybody who has, you know, managing their parents' health, managing children, you know, all the mm-hmm. things. Um, oh, God, maybe a hundred. <laughs> oh, God. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot. But I'm neurotic. I mean, we all know that. So. And, but it's, it's also, it's my drug, right? Um, yeah. You know, it's, it, it, it's 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 a joy for me and obviously I wouldn't do it if I didn't feel some joy for it. But I'm not recommending every please, no. I mean no. my God, people will hit delete if they hear, you know, that this is an expectation. Right. But are there tricks you use? Like what do you so you saw your parents I mean, I just want to talk to really fundamentals yeah. here because yeah. I'm yeah. so awkward, right? Like it will take no. me 15. Yes, I am awkward, Susan. <laughs> yes. Oh, and it I will just... take me like a half hour to write an email being like, hey, could we connect? Like that will take yeah. me a really yeah. long time. So I'm just wondering, like, how do you schedule your time to connect? Okay, you don't. It's just like sort of I a don't. fluid part of your life. Like how it do you is. remember to... I don't. Like, okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> here, here. And first of all, I just, you know, I want to just tell you, there's not a day I don't wake up feeling imposter syndrome and feeling like a misfit. Okay. Right, so, right. you know, even though you and I feel like we're coming at this from a very different space, you know, yeah. in terms of like introversion, extroversion, yeah, I, I, I can very much align with you. I think yes. where we part ways is when somebody pops in my brain, mm-hmm. instead of like waiting, because what will happen if I wait? guess what? It disappears. 
I either text them right that very second or WhatsApp them or maybe even call them if I have, you know, five minutes Mm -hmm. or I will voice memo myself so that later tonight when I have a few minutes, I can jot them a quick note. And I really don't overthink it. Um, You know, it it is more just like thinking of you sending love, um, thinking of you would love to catch up in the next few weeks. So I think my my recommendation is, is when we have those like, you know, little brain pops, act upon them and don't overthink it. Because sometimes just doing it, and I sound like the old, you know, adage, um, you know, (laughs) the joy you get by doing that will make it contagious, in other words, and may help you get out of that slog that you feel that you're in. Because the person receiving it, and again, this is a generalization, but most people feel really good when they get an email or a text or a phone call with no you know, agenda, nothing that they have to act upon, but just, I'm thinking of you. No, you're so right. I mean, and I've I've received those like DMs from you, just like, just like a, Hey, thinking about you, sending you love. And it means the world to me. And I'll tell you that since I watched you do that, I now have like an index card by my desk every week. I make a list of like people I want to do that to. And I'll just say, thinking about you, love you. No, you're right. You're right. I do do that. I guess what it is, is I am connecting and I'm connecting with the people I want to be connected to. I think part of connecting that sometimes feels scary is it starts to feel disempowering like I need to be connected to people I don't feel very aligned with right yeah yeah I I guess we don't really have to do that we have choice and options and intentionality and I was just gonna say that yes yes well and again in the gather phase it's thinking about your goals and hopes and dreams and what is the community you need to build that's going to help you get there, right? And how can you be helpful to those people along the way? So, right. you know, this is not just about going ahead and like connecting with anyone and everyone, it's being very intentional. Um, but again, leading with how you can be helpful and receive help. Right, and this really gets into creating a professional life that's aligned with your values mm-hmm. and moving. And that is, that's exactly this. This is, this is the key. I think that for me, all these years of connection, sometimes it felt really scary. Well, first of all, cause I didn't trust myself and I couldn't create boundaries and I didn't know how to do that. So it was really about me and my, my own issues yep. I had to work out. But then also thinking that I had to be connected to some asshole CEO that I couldn't stand and whose <laughs> business practices I didn't like, but because they knew somebody that I should know, you know, that's exactly. when you get into trouble, right? <laughs> like, of course. Right. Of course. And you know, we're always, I mean, this is life, right? We're always going to come in contact with toxicity. We're always going to have to face these challenges. And as we age, I will tell you, again, being of age, um, you do have more tools. But I I will also say, it doesn't become easier in that sense. Um, I think you just have more tools at your disposal to deal with them. That's true. I think that you're right. I think that you're right on that. I think that we do have more tools and we know ourselves better in order to know what we want better, right? Yeah, yeah. And we have less time to deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. Or less time left, I guess I should say. 
Totally. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is all of the key of all of this, I think, is learning to be a good listener. And you talk about this in the book that, that being a good listener is, is you know, cr- critical to your mission as in being in community with other people. How did you learn how to focus? Or were you, I don't know if you were naturally always a good listener, but have you learned tips, tricks to better focus on another person and become a better listener? Well, first of all, it is one of the hardest things for humans to listen to one another. And, but if you look at the gather, ask, do, there's no way you can get from gather to do if you're not going to listen to the signals and the data you receive from others. And, you know, the last 15 months has been extraordinarily challenging to expect us to be able to be good listeners when, you know, we're in a Zoom meeting and we have children afoot, pets afoot. We have our, you know, WhatsApp and text pinging. We have email going off. You know, so it's, it's like a Herculean feat to be a successful listener. Right. But I, um, in the research for the book, I learned a variety of tips and tricks. And I will suggest to your listeners to listen Uh, no pun intended, to Dr. Julian Treasure, who has a number of TED Talks on how to be a better listener. Um, And I'm not trying to pass the buck, but he talks about this whole notion of true focus, of taking notes when you're actually in conversation with people. Because when you then follow up, there is no greater gift you can give them than show that that, that you saw them and heard them. But also stop our anticipatory listening, meaning when we hear somebody, we immediately start to think about how we are going to respond and try to literally turn that muscle off, okay? And it takes practice. Um, And I'm as guilty of it as anyone else, meaning, you know, as somebody is talking to you, you're immediately going into, okay, well, how am I going to respond? What am I going to do? What am I going to say? And instead, actually, really focus and be incredibly honest and communicative if, for instance, your mind wanders off about the, the dishes in your sink. If you catch yourself, it is totally respectful to say, Jen, I missed what you said. Forgive me. Would you be okay to repeat what you just said? Right. Instead of just moving, like just letting yeah. it pass. Right. Yeah. You could have missed the most, you could have missed the fact that you won a million dollars and you didn't hear it. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I forget what the statistics are, but there's something like we only oh, hear like 30% yeah. of what other people say. It's really terrible. Oh, it's insane. Oh it's insane. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate all of your wisdom. I appreciate your work so much. I'm really grateful to you for writing this book. Well, I'm grateful to you for being the you we all love, Jen, and your honesty and your transparency and your compassion. And I can't tell you what a gift it is to be here with you today, truly. Oh, Susan, where can where can people find you? Because I want people to find you after this interview. Oh, well, it's pretty easy to find me, um, <laughs> even though I'm fairly tiny. Uh, but on, <laughs> on the interwebs, I'm usually at Susan McPee1. My company is McPherson Strategies, and the book, The Lost Art of Connecting, is essentially thelostartofconnecting.com. Okay. All right. Thanks again, Susan. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. I'm Jen Romolini, and Kim France will be back next week. 
If you like the show, please rate and review it on all the platforms. It really helps us. You can reach us on the show's Instagram at EIF Podcast. We have an email. Everything is fine. The podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And we have a Patreon. If you'd like to join, it's patreon.com backslash everything is fine. And you can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.